0: Hello, welcome to another episode of Poddam America the gothic socialist podcast for the stupid children That's you. Uh, Hi, this is Jake. I'm alone today. Anders Lee is not here. I'm on the road. I'm moving to Los Angeles In a car with everything I own, but I've stopped in Texas right now at my folks' place. And I'm greeting you today to introduce you to, or to intro, an episode that's been a long time coming. That is part one of Question Mark. I don't know (laughs) if this will ever get finished for reasons I'll explain now, going forward. Um... B- the How do I explain this? Uh, what I want to talk about today is something that I have never been able to talk about on this show because it was my home and it's impossible to talk about this place without mentioning the exact address of it. And so many of you people are scary to me <laughs> and threatening. Probably not you if you're listening to this maybe some of you but um you know mostly all the 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 little libertarian dickheads and comedy and stuff the skanks and the, the weird psychotic joker guys that follow me to shows and stuff um are a reality in my life and so i ha- can't usually mention my exact address on the internet where i talk to thousands of people makes sense i think but this last week i left this place and it it was sort of destroyed so it's in the past and now we can talk out in the open about the building that i lived in for the entire last 10 years that i lived in new york city which is called 538 because it is the address is 538 johnson avenue in brooklyn in a part of town Some people refer to it as Bushwick, some people refer to it as East Williamsburg, but actually is neither. It's in a place called a North Brooklyn Industrial Business Zone. There's a Bushwick mural next door, so people call it Bushwick, it's colloquially Bushwick, but it was right up at the top of it when, uh, if you ever go, if you live in New York City and you ever find yourself in that neighborhood, if you get to the top of Bushwick or you get to the east point of East Williamsburg, things will devolve into warehouses Junkyards. um there's kind of like some water and some barges and stuff it's fucking great it's real new york shit it looks like the background of a street fighter level everywhere you go there's really cool graffiti everywhere uh that's where i was lucky enough to land when i moved to new york and to live for uh, the entirety of the the end of the life of the building it seems um there's still some people hanging on in there i think there's still some art some art spaces and stuff but the life of the building existed in uh the second floor in my opinion which was covered in graffiti um it was common enough in the punk scene to where it you know it was kind of a meme i saw some memes about it floating around online if you run in the right circles in new york you might have seen them uh shows happened there a lot a lot of cool things happened there it was a place where people found themselves able to survive because uh, for economic reasons, you know, because enough people could pile into a space, share it, split the rent, and live who normally wouldn't be able to live in New York and survive in New York City. Um, It was a place where a lot of incredible punk shows happened. A lot of interesting people lived in the building. You know, here and there, I'd see somebody and go, holy shit, I think that was like, the guy from the casualties or whatever. Um, in its early days, which we're going to talk about today, it was, uh, a couple of odd different types of factories. <laughs> um, then later on it turned into, uh, you know, a loft, a, uh, semi legal situation that allowed artists to you know to be uh, somewhat autonomous that eventually turned into the two, the 538 that I moved into and eventually it was the site of you know of a struggle for justice and for autonomy for a fucking place to live in this city and in this goddamn expensive world <sighs> uh, a struggle that played out and, you know, there were varying results for different people, different actors and different players, depending on what decisions they made. And, uh, you know, I think ultimately we failed in a lot of ways to come together and to collectively protect the situation we were in. And we were also crushed under the boot of the ruling class and the People who owned the damn building. It's a sad story. I myself made it out by the skin of my teeth pretty well. That's why I'm moving to Los Angeles. Uh, the story of what happened in our apartment is pretty funny. And I think if we have time, we'll get into it. If I can get anyone to uh, to come on and talk with me about it. Or maybe I'll just tell it to you. But it's a, a lot of crazy, uh, just underhanded like <laughs> subterfuge and rent strikes and money passing around. It was like succession or something, but with like crust punks, it was crazy. I, uh, I defended myself in court at one point and we won and uh, it was crazy. Uh, a bunch of people helped me do it, but um, yeah, it was bananas. And that's why I was able to get out with a buyout uh, rather than uh, you know, getting evicted, which is what happened to a lot of people, which is unfortunate and it sucked. Uh, and all that stuff is interesting, you know, in terms of this being a leftist, socialist, communist, whateverist podcast because you know that's that's what it's all about, the struggle to survive, the struggle against the landlord, you know, the person who owns the thing that you live in uh something that shouldn 't be and, and our ability to to fight back against it and to you know to to work through the machinations of the state and stuff like that if that 's even possible all that is here in the story, so I think it's worth being discussed it's also you know funny and there's just a lot of crazy shit that happened in this place um, and I mean over the years, walking around this building you know, smoking cigarettes in the hall surrounded by graffiti and weird murals and art and stuff. I've run into a lot of people. I've met a lot of people. And there always seemed to be someone, you know, named Lamp or whatever uh, who had, you know, weird hair and was making a documentary about Five Thirty Eight. And it seems like none of them ever really saw the light of day (laughs) Uh, because everyone who lived here was so creative and so uh, had, you know, part of a mind to, to document what was happening. And we all understood that what we were engaged in was something really special. The intention was all over the place to document 538. But the end came so abruptly that I think a lot of us felt the rug pulled out from under us you know, pretty quickly and went, Oh shit. If I was going to make a documentary about this place, I should have started years ago. Cause it's going down and it's going down fast. And the things that are documentable about it like came apart, you know, in the last few years before we all really got kicked out. So it sucks. It really sucks. I think the magic of Five Thirty Eight Johnson, a lot of it is lost to history and lost to time. Um, in ways that we're never going to get back, but there's still storytelling. Uh, there are a lot of stories about this place. I'm going to try to hunt a bunch of them down. I know way more exists than any that I just observed when I lived there. I was just one person who lived here and I have, you know, a few, well, if you're a fan of the show and you remember when I got raided by Homeland Security that happened here at 5:38. Um, you know, but, I mean, people truly lived here and actually died here. And uh, I wish there was a way to connect everyone. But, I mean, it is, it's is—it's impossible to do that 100% because the place was home to drifters and just traveling people passing through. And all of us were unreliable because we're all artists and, you know, <laughs> we're, uh, people that I think put a premium more on living than working, you know? So, uh, I'm going to do my best to track people down and try to make something, some, something out of this that is, you know, preservative in some way or just entertaining. But, um, but you know, that's hard to do when you're telling the story of a fucking punk house. Cause it, it cause we're, you know, we're punks. We're not, <laughs> you know, we're not uh, st- fastidious, fucking studious people. Um, so if anything, if you're a listener to the show... Uh one thing that will change from here going forward is I will be able to talk more about the building. I've talked about it before, but I've never mentioned like specific details about it and stuff because of uh what, what I mentioned at the top of the show, uh Allah I am fr- afraid of you people. But uh <laughs> but um yeah, this, this will be an open-ended thing. Originally, I was going to turn this into a multi-part series and try to put them out like a professional podcast in conjunction with each other but uh, I had to move across the country, and, and we ha- we threw a gigantic party to end the place, and I had to uh, do a lot of work to make sure that I got my paperwork done and got the fucking guy who owns it to pay me to leave and stuff. So it's been a busy week, and this might be one of those series where, you know, a few weeks from now, part two pops up, if there's any. If I can track down – I was talking to somebody at – We threw a rave to end the place, and I was talking to somebody at the rave, and they are like, oh, yeah, somebody mentioned maybe I'd go on your show, and then, you know, a smoke machine blew half the fucking building into oblivion, and I don't know what the guy's name was anymore or if I'll ever see him again, and then, you know, I took a pill, and then I don't know what the fuck happened after that, so I'm climbing out of the wreckage of the place that used to be the... Where I my life happened in New York City, and I'm leaving New York City, and uh, this is going to be an ongoing project, and uh, and I think it's worthwhile. I know it sounds crazy doing multi part series is about my apartment, but uh, you'll you'll understand why as I explain everything that fucking happened in in five thirty eight because it is I legitimately one of the coolest places I've ever encountered in my life. Today, I uh, I think I thought it would be good to start off way 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 back in the beginning of the building because I I did find someone who is very reliable actually and who uh, is a 538er and uh, who d- did a lot of really interesting research about like what this building was a hundred years ago <laughs> and how it became the place that we all live and it is. It's it's you know, it's really it's interesting and it's funny and like everything, uh, when you're viewing things through the lens of Marxism and, and socialism and things like that, it's all fucking relevant. It's all part of one big story. It comes back, there's workers, there's you know, trains and shit, there's stuff that affects our lives in here. Uh I don't know why I'm arguing with my own fucking show that I made DIY style, that I should be allowed to talk about something on it, but I am trying to to, to make a case here, <laughs> so please uh, listen and and uh, t- uh, I don't know if you could take anything away from this. You know, take away th- that places like this can and still do exist, and uh, and you know, they they might not someday. They're dwindling. They're for they're being threatened constantly. And they're being knocked over and turned into a fucking pink berry or a sweet green or a Starbucks or a stupid art studio, you know, where people have no idea that they're living in, in what used to be the Overlook Hotel or whatever. Um, and there's stuff we can do to preserve these spaces. Unfortunately, we couldn't really make it happen at 538 near the end. Things fell apart. People sort of went out for themselves we didn't really have what it took to uh to defend the building and uh also the infrastructure for that didn't exist lawyers quit on us and people fucked off and people fucked us over but um a punk house you know a weird loft uh a place where people can hang out and get drunk and make art and and live and work and live to work and work to live instead of living to work that's the phrase i was looking for it's a special thing, and if you can find one, you should hold on to it as hard as possible. Okay, uh, with that said, let's start the show. This is uh, this is part one of Question Mark of We Are five thirty eight. Lock them into positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons. Okay, I am now speaking with Brian Sears, um, <laughs> uh, Extraordinaire, uh, resident of Five Thirty Eight Johnson, uh, artist, maker of things. Uh, I don't know exactly,
1: don't yeah,
0: how to title you. You don't, seem like you don't. Dope. Don't title me. <laughs> I'm not entitled. <laughs> yeah, you seem like you wear many hats, as far as I can tell. I brought you a hat. You did, yeah. Probably yes. a Five Thirty Eight Johnson hat. It's so cool. Um, okay, so the reason that I, I wanted to talk to you and the reason I brought you on the show to talk about five thirty eight, is uh, because you are a bit of a historian of the building, it seems. Yes, I,
1: I became obsessed with the building. <laughs> a, I, a lot of people did, and I, and I definitely did, but I dug um, into the building. Not so much the people. I think the people remain a mystery because the people here now came and went and and a lot of us were very private. Yeah. But the building if you got on the internet there was a lot of information you could find and a couple of my friends got a newspaper.com subscription and uh and as well you know as as observing the building itself and um just scouring the internet for any images. And, and, uh, you know, we got into train blogs. I mean, there's all this niche shit that we got into. Yeah. Because we'd be looking at some fragment of the building and being like, why is that like that? What the, why is that, was that a loading dock? You know, that kind of stuff.
0: Right, because there's like those, uh, like on the sidewalk outside, there's just like, you can see the railroad track that they like paved over, kind of cracking up out of the sidewalk. There
1: used to be uh, something called the Varick Freight Yard which is over where that giant monolithic one-story warehouse is, you know what I'm talking about, Uh, on Varick, that whole property was a train yard until about uh, the late 60s, I think. And uh, the LIR had something called the Evergreen Branch that went through here. This neighborhood has, if you look at the buildings. In fact, the Cobra Club, I'm not kidding, the Cobra Club's shape how that little courtyard there is kind of skewed like that and yeah. the building itself is kind of skewed it's because there used to be and we we found a bunch of maps that showed this there used to be a road that went through that was that courtyard that little outdoor no area shit. was a road there and you know the the roads that they had back then were dirt or cobblestone or something so it wasn't a paved thing i mean a road was a space where you where, where products and people moved. yeah. But that road intersected with a uh, train that went uh, through our, our neighborhood. And yeah, we had the Varick Freight Yard out there. So um, those tracks are mentioned on all kinds of blogs. Um, wow. And there, there was one guy who uh, was a conductor on the train. And I got a lot of useful information from his site because he hand drew all of these uh, yards along his route and labeled the buildings that were that, that the train stopped at their little docks so of yeah. course, there was the Goldberger stop, but then across from us out right out your window here. Is the uh something like the paper ba- National Paper Bag Manu- Manufacturing Company or something <laughs> like that. And you can see that in this photograph that I found. because I, So I saw this. This is one of our methods. I mean, you, and obviously, anybody who does research on the Internet now, this is all you do. You, you see a fragment, and then you start searching for that fragment. And you just exhaustively, yeah. like, find things, and then it connects you to something else. So we found out, um, I think, when we went to the Department of Buildings, for our loft case uh-huh. was when we had the major score of blueprints and other documents pertaining to the construction of the building that gave us a specific date when the building was built. And not only that, but showed, proved that the building was built in two sections. You live in the 1916 section. And then in 1919, they made an extension, which was the four story um, extension uh, that I live in. Oh. And it's because this mattress factory got so big. Um, well, I mean, they, they bought it. There, there's all, okay. There's all the wait, wait, we know, should start. they didn't the, build the, uh, yeah. Where, where, where <laughs> do you start um, this farmland out here? Well, that's, that's what the exhibit on the fourth floor is all about. You know, this, this whole place was farmland and uh, eventually people, you know, the industry started to happen. You know, we had all these canals around here and, right. and there, there was opportunity in space and so people started to build factories here. And this, nineteen in nineteen sixteen, this building was built for the Parshelsky brothers by uh, the Kingsborough Manufacturing Company. Um, the Parshelsky brothers did window trim and sashes and doors, and it's really funny because I'm yeah. a, I'm obsessed with windows and this building. So that's what they did, though they made building parts.
0: Oh, that's interesting. They
1: made building parts, and uh, when they were bought. When they left, uh, an Englander mattress came in. The Parchelsky brothers went up um, down to where Acme Studios is. It's someplace off Morgan or something like that. And uh-huh. Isaac, we also found out that Isaac uh, Parchelsky was convicted of tax fraud at a certain point. Um, they, all these cool. sordid tales. <laughs> yeah, cool. Very five thirty. Right. I mean, it, but we really did. <laughs> People were murdered around our neighborhood. People. Uh, there was a, so we found these old articles. A woman was burned. Like the headline was "Woman burned to death because she was picking cinders from a dump at the corner of uh, Varick and Johnson," which is where the seventy-five Stewart uh, the extension is right now. So yeah, in nineteen sixteen, this building was here. But where I live was just a big open lot, a dump. Okay. And they used to do that for heat. They would scour the dump for hot coals and then they'd take them home and they'd like warm themselves with them. And so this woman's clothes caught fire doing this. And uh, yeah, it I was like, it says what do you mean it, picking embers? Oh, literally. Like, that's why picking embers. Yeah. Like hot coals. I and mean, they're like, mm, I'm so going to put these hot coals. Am I like, Mr. Scrooge, <laughs> you'll have to get the hot coals from the dump again.
0: That's so like Dickensian.
1: Exactly. So uh, she was, it, she caught fire and tried to jump into the Newton Creek. Uh, but I guess it wasn't much of a creek or she couldn't get there. The newspaper wasn't that explicit, but they said that a couple of men tried to help her, but they lost their presence of mind. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: what it says old newspapers are so funny
1: yeah uh, th- that's another thing the, the wording in a lot of the articles was hilarious um, so yeah 1916 built uh, 1919 Englander mattress which still exists today I don't know how much tax fraud they're into Um, but they exist as a company and we contacted them to see if they could tell us anything about the building, but they said they had a massive fire at some point and a lot
0: of their historical records were gone. They uh, couldn't help us actually the sponsor of this podcast, Englander spring mattresses. Get yourself an Englander mattress. Spring off. Yeah. Um, Code flaming woman. (laughs) Spring (laughs) me. Um,
1: so they were getting kicked out of the Bush, uh, terminals, uh, it's, a, it's another factory complex, uh, and I, I really don't want to give any misinformation here, and I'm kind of blanking on oh, where it is. It's not a problem on this podcast. But, oh, great. Okay. So <laughs> it's the Sunnyside Industrial Park is the only thing that's coming to mind, although that's not what it is. Sunset Park and Sunnyside, but it's on the it's, it's past the Navy Yard and down in that Red Hook area. But anyway, uh, it's a big deal. Um, they were getting kicked out because the Army wanted their building for World War I, and uh, there was a weird exchange that happened. The Army wanted it, so they moved out. But then the Army was like, ah, we don't really need this. And so they ended up with two properties or something. Um, it, a lot of the information in the articles was hard to, to figure out what was going sure. on. Sure. Uh, because it's piecemeal a little bit. But they ended up with this building. And at one time it was called, uh, there's an article called The Wonders of Brooklyn, because this factory was a pinnacle of industrialization at one point. It was so great that the workers had parties in here to to celebrate how, how great. Now, okay, so this was all propaganda. <laughs> now that I'm thinking of it, I'm like, the workers loved yeah, working wait, in wait, the wait, building. Wait. It was so great. You oh, my the... God, I drank the Kool-Aid. <laughs> I drank the publishing Kool-Aid, Jake.
0: Early 1900s workers famous for throwing parties famous about how good their having... conditions okay, were. Okay,
1: wait a minute. Let me, I, I didn't bring this book here for nothing. Let me find this thing. Maybe I can get something here um, from this. The <laughs> was, that, was that really it? Yeah, no, seriously, let me, uh, uh, Wonders of Brooklyn, uh, number eight. So they had a series in, um, wait, where's the party? Oh, no, Englander Employees Dance. The employees of the Englander Springbed Company gave a dance at the Imperial uh, Fulton Street, Brooklyn, um, Tuesday. Oh, man. The time of his life, Mr. Max Englander said, Getting together, the employees of the Englander Spring, spring Bed Company is the happy uh, augury of their uh, rejoicing over the improved conditions brought since the occupancy of the new modern model, factory building. I didn't bring my, my reading glasses. <laughs> and it's dark as a tomb oh. in this place, which, which is all right. But I yeah, so you... Okay, so... The, uh, the getting together of the employees, um, yeah, they celebrated that this was a modern uh, factory building. So you're right, though. It's really suspicious. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's uh, Brooklyn, knows? the most advanced building equipped in the best manner and having the welfare of the employees, the first consideration. So they were saying it. Interesting. And I, you know, we don't, but, but really looking around, I mean, the reason it's all these windows, it's really well ventilated. I mean, I know they had to work. But light could get in here on on every side. Um, all the windows are double hung, you know, let to let the heat out. Um, there's there's drainage uh, on every floor. I don't know if you've noticed this, but there are these little black boxes that we thought might be uh, lighting outlets or something that are about halfway up on the outside of the building, and they're they're called scuppers, and they were for the water to flow out. I guess they would hose off the machines or something, and. Wow. It's a mystery. You know? So we looked at all these photographs of all these people in these factories, and we didn't really find any photographs of 538 inside. But there were plenty of other examples of factories at the time. They, the ladies looked very nice. I mean, they were all put <laughs> together. No, I really they, didn't look, they did not look like that. I think in the 70s is when people got miserable. I think the doll factories, those workers, when, when it became a doll factory sometime in the 60s, Yeah is when really, like, those those people were kind of miserable. And there are a lot more gunfights in the articles and that kind of stuff.
0: Okay, so to, to catch us up, the history I'm of so this sorry. building yeah. is uh, what So so... Bushwick is like a town before it's incorporated into Brooklyn. There's this industrial area just above it that is now North North Brooklyn Industrial Business Zone. Something I learned during the lawsuit. So we're yeah. not actually in Bushwick. We're in the Nibs. The, yeah. Um, and this factory uh, first was just a building parts factory. Then yes. the mattress people move in and start making mattresses here. Then Correct. whatever happens with uh, the the military happens and eventually it becomes a doll factory.
1: Well, I am so sorry. You Jake, you failed. Uh, all my <laughs> rambling and you got it wrong. Uh the building parts and then the the reason that the mattress people came here was because they needed a place because they were getting kicked out by the military. So oh, gotcha, it okay. transitioned from building parts uh England came Englander came here because they needed a, a bigger space. And uh, and when they did buy the place, they made it even bigger because they bought the lot next door and did the gotcha. four-story. So okay. the four-story extension in 1919 is concrete, you might notice. It's all concrete floors, concrete pillars, right. where you all over here have uh, a, a what they call millwork construction. The fucking tinderbox. Wooden be- the tinderbox, the ghost ship, tinderbox. Wooden, I'm looking at your ceiling. It's sagging, all these wooden beams. <laughs> Everything is waterlogged. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, speaking of windows, I thought I would mention this. this is another fun 538 story. You'll notice that window next to the AC over there is yeah, a plastic. piece of plexiglass. Yeah. <laughs> Reason being that those big fucking iron framed windows that have been there for who knows how many years, you know, fucking maybe a hundred years, uh, they're on these little hinges and mm-hmm. you can like tilt them outwards to open the window if you yeah. want. Uh, but the they're rusted to death because mm-hmm. they've been there for a hundred years so I, one of my roommates one time went to open that one and huh. it snapped and it fell and the loudest sound I've ever heard in my life yeah, fucking happened wow. and uh, it was insane because all of the glass the thick glass like shattered oh, from the you know from from the fall, but it would like it was st- still lined the frame in like these jagged little forms, like a cartoon or something. Yeah. I had it here. I kept it here for a long time just because it looked so it's weird. A yes. But eventually we threw it out. Um, so
1: it fell out? Outward. I mean it fell in or fell out? It fell out. Okay. And like I mean but if somebody brought had been, it back in, is what you're saying. Yeah, we went, downstairs you went down. <laughs> down okay. You're like, I want that. Yeah, yes, it's it, cool.
0: It, it was weird and it looked cool. Um but uh I mean if it, it had fallen on someone they would have been dead instantly. Yeah. Like it was the most dangerous sure. thing I've seen. Um, yeah. And then they, you know, our fucking slumlord threw a piece of plexiglass in there and it's been in there for like five years. Many pieces <laughs> of
1: plexiglass uh,
0: in the windows uh, around the building. Yep. Um, but yeah, so so let's back up a little bit. The, uh, the reason I I know who you are to interview you on this mm-hmm. podcast is because you are, uh, you know like a legendary long-standing member of the building 538. I uh I knew you through my old roommate. A uh, fun fact for fans of the podcast, one of the first recordings we ever did of this show was in Brian's apartment because when uh when I was living here before I was like kind of the tenant of my apartment, I was a roommate of the person who had been there the longest. And, uh, there were just a lot of different things going on here. There was a lot of people making art in Satan this space was, was in this place uh-huh.
1: <laughs> still is he could not have a podcast.
0: Um, we recorded, uh, in your, in your loft once or twice. I, we also recorded on the roof oh, a cool. few times. What I would Very do cool. is I'd I'd put a extension cord out the window, hang yes. it, and then bring it back in here, plug it in and just go up on the roof and hang out, which nice. sounds, you know, kind of wild, like, uh, Oh, what, you know, like I'm a doing that because of the conditions, but the roof of this place was fucking cool. Yes. Like everyone loved hanging out on the roof before we lost access to it mm. in 2020. There's um, pictures of it. It's sort of like one of those, uh, you know, graffiti like art pieces almost looks like a, a level in those Tony Hawk pro skater or something.
1: It, it wasn't five points, but it, it was an outlaw five points. It never got curated or monitored or protected. So it, Everything that was on the building was done by amateurs, some professionals, I think, some people who were, were good or talented or whatever, I'm sure, did it. But a lot of people were learning, I think. Um, and uh, so it was changing all the time. And so you had a lot of messy shit that was overlapping. But every once in a while, I, actually quite often there would be great pieces, um, but really the whole thing was covered in messy shit.
0: Yeah, And then there were,
1: there were cool pieces that would come up on top of the messy shit.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, one of the most famous ones is whoever went up on the side of the building and put that, like, witch hand. That the go Girl. Yeah, yes. you can see it like, from, a, from the street, yeah. just, like, driving by When they
1: When they paint that over, it's going to be really sad. I, I, they've been painting up, you probably know, the whole exterior of the building is getting refreshed. Yeah. So
0: they're painting over it. There's been a lot of it's it's fucking over moments for me. When they put a city bike thing outside, like, a few years ago, I was like, Oh, that's a bad sign, man. But anyways, all that to say, uh, then, you know, a few years ago, I remember going upstairs to a party in your place and you had put together this, uh, this, like, exhibit about the history of the building that we've been talking about. And probably the thing that I'd say people remember the most about learning about the history of this building is this moment when it became a fucking doll factory because that is so creepy.
1: It, yeah, yeah. Um, and it is so it was interesting when we finally like proved it and found the photographs although to me it was proved in my own mind but when I got here there were still just a few bags of doll heads (laughs) that we totally disrespected. You know, I remember we were painting them blue up on the roof and rolling them around, and girls were making art projects out of them and stuff. And, like, nobody was being like, these are the last doll heads from the Englander factory. Um, But a couple of us have uh, iron molds that are very metal, literally. Uh, that they used for in- rubber injection molding, so they look like something out of a tool video. They're yeah. all like rusty metal baby heads. And uh, they I never saw one of these, but apparently there were racks of eyes. And, you know, some baby dolls have eyes that blink when you move their body. The yeah. eyes close and open. Well, you know, when they manufacture these things, apparently they did them on sprues. So you would have a rack of hundreds of eyes and they'd all blink <laughs> when you tilted these things. And some of the uh, people so who were here before I was here told me about those things, but I never saw one myself. But yeah, back, I mean, in the nineties, late nineties, when people were moving in, the doll parts were just everywhere. And eventually,
0: you know, we just used, we just squandered them all. <laughs> well, I mean... All the doll parts. You probably didn't know the significance of them. Well, I mean, it is just it
1: was... a stupid... Look, England... <laughs> I mean, uh, like Englander, Goldberger doll does still exist. Uh, there's a huge collector uh, group out there, but nobody is collecting parts yeah. of Englander doll head. You know, dolls. <laughs> it's like you get the whole doll and it's worth something, but a foot isn't worth anything except to somebody who's fetishizing what we call the building. <laughs> and you're like, I have... I can't believe I gave this to a friend of mine, but I had uh, a head that was, it said on the inside, Dolly Parton and EG uh, Goldberger, and it had no hair on it yet. They hadn't put the hair on it. So it was a bald Dolly Parton head. It was a rubber Dolly Parton head with no hair on it. And I gave it to a guy. I don't know, because he let me borrow some fonts or something. It's just like...
0: That's uh, so funny. Don't have that anymore. <laughs> That's so weird. I was reading uh, in this article that uh, that they did in the Bowery Boys. What is the name of this publication? The Bowery Boys. Bowery Boys. About about you. Very your kind of them. Yeah, exhibit. Yeah. Um, they they said if you're if you're of a certain generation, you probably owned a doll made in this building. Is that true? Yes. What did they make here? Like like Cabbage Patch Kids or some shit? Uh,
1: no. EG dolls, li- like I said, made all kinds of uh, licensed. So Bozo the Clown. Wow. Um, and, and of a certain generation, like when my parents visited and they saw the exhibit upstairs, we found uh, a folder, Not not my parents and I, but before they got here, for the exhibit, photographs of tons of the models of the dolls. And they were like, Oh, that's Vesper, that's Charlie, that's Bozo, that's Larry, that's... Like, they knew all these stupid dolls, like Howdy Doody. They made Howdy Doody ventriloquist Oh, because this is, like, in the 70s. That's what, yeah, so, exactly. So, in the 70s, they were making dolls from from shows from the 50s or whatever. So, these are licensed dolls from popular programs and things. Um, Not all of them. Uh, I think there's one called Chester... Um, some of them were a little bit like, uh, is that racially inappropriate?
0: Is that oh, for sure. Is that a little blackface from even? the past? Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> if, it's,
1: if it's from the past, it's racially inappropriate. Um, so yeah, they so they were uh, and like the Dolly Parton doll. I mean, they didn't make Barbies because I'm sure Barbie has their own factory. Yeah. But a lot of these licensed, you know, I'm whoever and not Cabbage Patch dolls. I'm sure they were all made in China. Um, sorry, Cabbage Patch, but I bet they were. Um, but yeah, we they, they were famous dolls, famous. Not necessarily the dolls were famous, but the figures that the dolls portrayed were famous. Nobody was saying, like, this doll, I'm so glad it was made in this factory. They were saying, thank goodness I have a uh, Lester the Ventriloquist dummy doll.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, do you know how long the doll factory lasted and when it turned into whatever the hell it is now?
1: Uh, they left in the late 90s, and so here, here they are right here. Oh, right man, here, those yeah. are so weird. Yeah, they, they really are. So, I think that's Howdy Doody. That's Howdy Doody. There's Bozo.
0: They all look like, uh, almost like, ventriloquist puppets
1: they they are they are ventriloquist oh. dummies yeah they literally they are they actually are that's mortimer snurd um <laughs> that's yeah, a crazy. orthodox jewish well i love some puppet. of these other ones because they so they made baby dolls so this Just, one is called softina they, they were actually revolutionary they invented a few things uh this one is headlined as the soft tender touch of a real baby <laughs> And it says a doll that's all soft from head to toe, washable, tubable, drinks, and wets. Damn. So they pioneered wedding, a squeeze in wedding <laughs> technology. There's a couple of patents that we found where you squeeze the doll and the head and the arms would close on you. Um, I that's... think the Alien doll in the 70s also did that. Crazy. Um, yeah, I, uh, wait, some of the the other... Yeah, I, I got to find some of these because they're really... There's one of these advertisements where this old man is holding the doll up to his face and she's kind of petting his cheek <laughs> and uh, he says something like, Oh my God. Baby, your act will wow the customers. (laughs) It is, (laughs) yeah. And so she's a puppet, puppetrina. Puppetrina. She's a walking action doll, or something like that. The big doll for action. So she's super sized, and uh, and she she moves.
0: Yeah. All of these look like haunted shit in the movie Poltergeist.
1: It's like, uh, what what came first, Um, creepy dolls or? Or like feeling like they're haunted. You yeah. What I mean? Like, what made the dolls? Is it the uncanny valley? It's like these things are—they look super lifelike. So I think that's where people get spooked by them because they're obviously not. But their eyes blink and they wet themselves. This um, <laughs> is so
0: weird. I mean, it is probably like, yeah, it's retroactive. Like at the time, this was like probably. Look at that.
1: I mean, that looks. That does that look cute or no, does that look fucking does terrifying? That, it looks terrifying. So all yeah, all my friends, like all of people have. A certain another certain generation look at these <laughs> things and they go those are fucking creepy
0: yeah but at the time
1: these people were like they're adorable they're silky hair I'm gonna give one to my kid
0: the the racial stuff is really funny too just to go back a second that what was the name of that Jewish one Mortimer Snurd for the listener this is a picture of like a ventriloquist <laughs> Wait, puppet but him. he's got like. Orthodox Jewish headwear. Yeah, uh, like a no,
1: no, no. He's in a top hat. That's that's a monocle and top hat. So
0: Oh that's a monocle. Sorry. Yeah. Oh
1: dude, I see that uh, now. Oh. That does look like <laughs> Payus. Okay. Or, yeah, that's Yes.
0: He's the Monopoly man. I saw He's the picture from the, yeah. far away and I thought it, it was the hat and the yeah, uh hair, the, the side, hair. yeah, the sidebar. All right, you know what? Fair. That's less fair crazy because yeah. I was like, Wow. What?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, what would be wrong with that?
0: I mean, oh, know, nothing.
1: Jews need dolls too. Too. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and this guy. Yeah. I mean, um, the black ventriloquist doll.
0: He's sort um, of dressed like a jazz with
1: ruder Afro hair and, quote, <laughs> glasses. And uh, his name is, yeah, this is Lester. And these are the things that my parents recognize. Like, my parents know who that guy is. That's so, so weird. It wasn't Sesame Street, but it was before Sesame Street when they were like, oh, yeah, these guys came on in the Cowboys shows. <laughs> Because the the vaudeville people, like, these were their sidekicks. And so. Right. And then they left in the 90s. So they came here in, uh, like, the, the 60s, and then they left
0: in the late 90s. And is the 90s when this, like, quasi paint manufacturing shit moved in? You know, that's interesting. I never
1: found, I never looked for any documents about that architectural coding
0: facility downstairs when they came in. I don't know how long they've been
1: here at all
0: yeah there's kind of a gray area in my mind like <clears throat> in between these two eras um there was when i first moved here i you know you, you end up at 538 sometimes just as a drifter and you just mm. need a place to throw your shit when you go out to work and, and gig and stuff and so like it's it's a while before you even think about what the fuck is happening downstairs and i used to always hear it's a glue factory or it's a paint factory. And then eventually I kind of went down there and sort of (laughs) learned like, Oh, it's this really weird specific type of coating spray coating that they spray onto shit that Mm. uh, supposedly isn't that bad in terms of fumes, but like jury's out on that one. Uh, Yeah. Well that that was one of the things in the loft law. Um, We are zoned for the
1: use of a certain group of chemicals and um, I can't remember exactly how this worked out, but I think, they were saying that what they were using was okay. But when the inspectors came, they said, this isn't okay. And so all the people in this building have to go. And I think essentially our lawyers said, no, it's not okay. They have to stop using it. Yeah. The people don't have to go. They have to stop using that chemical. It's not. This area isn't zoned for that chemical. So... Right. The build, people aren't the problem. The chemical they're using is the problem. Now whether they stopped using it or not, I don't know.
0: Right. Cause uh, that
1: smell right now.
0: I feel potent. like I was down there like a week ago and they were doing some, they're spraying something on something, which leads me to believe that no, they didn't stop using it. They still
1: spray. Yeah. But, <laughs> but you know, it's green now. It's, it's green. <laughs> they only
0: spray green. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, that's another one of the reasons that I decided to probably get out of here because I've been here for 10 years and, uh, it probably isn't good for you, but the glue thing I kind of figured out when I was reading about the history of the building, like, I think I, the reason that I thought there was a glue factory downstairs is because I heard about the one that existed down the street. Hmm. There was like a, a glue, like some sort of fucking famous glue manufacturer. I'll look it up. It's in this article.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah, so
0: it says in that article, um, Bushwick has always been defined by production from the farms, from factories. Uh, for instance, Peter Cooper built his considerable fortune from a massive glue manufacturing point wow. uh, located just a few blocks from the location where 538 Johnson hmm. was built.
1: Um. It's interesting. You know, we we looked at a lot of maps. Uh, there are these things called the Sanborn fire maps, where they they went out and they documented all of the um, people who are on the lots and what businesses were there. So we we found a lot of. Uh, there's a belt. I think the active space, which is on five sixty six Johnson, that gray building over there with all the artist spaces in it now. Mm-hmm. Oh, some kind of Belgian fur dyeing company. Um, the place where Vita is right now, that huge smokestack out back, that was a foundry, some guy called E.T. Trotter. Um, Edison apparently had a shop somewhere north of here, not too far. Thomas uh, Edison. Thomas Edison. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it, you know, 1916. I mean, it was those are the times.
0: Yeah. Um, the, imagining this neighborhood like 100 years ago is really interesting because, uh, the, like, this was, you know, the one of the first kind of industrial zones. Yeah. It's kind literally. Yeah, it was. And also like New York is really interesting because the, uh, there's, there used to be an entirely different set of trains and stuff that ran around. Like I I used to work at a bar in lower East side that had, um, like the, the, what do you call them? The things that hold up the fucking platform. Um, I don't know. Uh, beams or whatever the fuck Uh, (laughs) names escaping me, but the, the, like the, the infrastructure of what held up an above ground, like overhead train that doesn't exist anymore. That used to go through the middle of LES and uh, you know, it's torn down like a hundred years ago, but the, it's, it's just part of the bar now. It's just like next to, it holds up a table now or whatever. It's fucking weird. And here there used to be part of the long Island railroad Mm -hmm. came out here because there were all those freight yards and stuff, mm-hmm. and you'd have to, like, all the shit that got made out here had to get, like, carted off. Right. You know? So I don't know. It's weird to think about that now because you go outside and now it's like that nightclub is across the street in, like, an old hangar. Um, and there's garbage trucks. So it's still a little industrial, mm-hmm. but it's basically Roberta's in graffiti and graffiti.
1: Well, we still make cement in the neighborhood.
0: That's right. Good old uh, Brooklyn, Bushwick, North Industrial business, business Zone cement. And,
1: uh, yeah, I think as far as... I remember one of the uh, talking points of us potentially getting kicked out was uh, that kicking loft law dwellers out of their homes is not going to bring manufacturing back to Bushwick. Right. Um, and I, I guess it, it didn't really bring manufacturing back, but they like they brought artist spaces. I mean, there's money to be made, another kind of... I don't know. You're making money off of people who live here or people who rent the space. I don't know. They just don't want people having control over the units in any way,
0: I guess. Yeah. Uh, well, that was a really yeah. stupid um, like, made-up conflict. When, right. when Man- Julia Salazar power. was working against us, someone had convinced her that uh having you know quote unquote hipsters gentrifying uh living in these buildings was somehow in conflict with the uh the workers downstairs but like if i that's why you know if you want to run uh for office as a socialist i think you should do your homework first because that's socialism 101 is it's uh it's it's workers and tenants against the boss and the landlord Mm. not workers versus tenants man um, I, I do want to say that we might be totally
1: ignorant of the things that really are going on in the neighborhood. So there, there probably is plenty of manufacturing. That we, I mean, technically downstairs the spray coating is that is that manufacturing of some kind. I mean, it's right beneath us. So it, there's still making things around here. I mean, all the we've there's the brewery, there's you know whiskey, oh, games, yeah. there's roasting going on. Yeah, so.
0: I met the guy that runs that uh, the, the whiskey distillery okay. down the street. He came into my bar one time.
1: Where's your what what bar? I used to work on
0: Lower East Side at Marshall Stack. Oh, okay. But I quit. There's a
1: place called Marshall Stack. Yeah. Um. And now Netflix is in the neighborhood. (laughs) That's is that manufacturing? (laughs) That's Um,
0: manufacturing something, man. So
1: yeah, there's still a lot going on here. Oh, they there's the uh, what we call the Nightmare Factory at 1201 Flushing Avenue, (laughs) which is the long place that used to be a telephone booth manufacturing place, but now it's a processing plant for food of some kind like a it's got a lot of asian writing all over it yeah and it and i think the place is called the new meats new century meat corporation global foods um, Peking I, products but you don't really know what's going on
0: no there's definitely stuff being made around yeah. here I can't remember if we just stepped on ourselves and said that there isn't but there's just different well, shit
1: what we like, yeah, right. well what were we thinking of yeah right what were thinking of like ships or, or all the metal that built Soho like that kind of crap like the really big things the I mean, industrial no, stuff like, yeah, yeah but, right like the, the, the shit that was uh, because they, they did that I think they called this the, the, um, the cradle of the uh, of the industrial movement or something uh, cradle of the I just forgot in my history term, but it's, it's where uh, this was the powerhouse, not necessarily this building or this neighborhood, but all of the Newton Creek coming in, in all of its channels and canals into this area in North Brooklyn. Yeah. This is, this is where they made all the steel. This is where they made those things that built Soho, that built other places. So,
0: yeah, I mean, that stuff moving is just a byproduct of like the General it's already shift done in the American economy. Yeah, right. we out, we, first of all, yeah, we made we everything. We built the buildings. And then, <laughs> second of all, that sort of manufacturing got too. outsourced building with like but, yeah. trade agreements and stuff to other countries and shit like that. Yeah. But um, no, that's a good point. I mean, th- there's, but there still is a ton of shipping made around here. Yeah. It's just different. because like, I was reading about that glue factory, and they said that um, one thing that you would see is hooves just around, like, wow. okay. strewn around the neighborhood because, like, or, and like rotting animal carcasses because they would use hooves to make glue. Yeah. And so it was just, you know, insane shit from the past. But um, but that's not that different from what it's like today because uh, in some of those meat processing plants, I swear to God, you can hear animals. And like they used screaming. to say you could
1: see blood coming out of the nightmare factory. I haven't seen blood in a long time. But they, they Harrison Street used to be a gruesome place, and it has, it has cleaned up. I think they're using more prepackaged stuff now or something
0: well they're killing them somewhere be pretty gnarly i swear when i first moved here I, somebody went Shh, be quiet and then we listened and they were like that's what that is like you just hear the sound of like a chicken being slaughtered or
1: well something. you might have heard is this a prompt you might have heard the uh, edb what was that the electronic dying bird fucking tell me about that it's <laughs> called a bird deterrent a sonic bird deterrent and they used to have one out in the FedEx property and the garbage dump. We actually didn't know where it was coming from because the sound bounced all around the buildings around here. But if you listen to it, you could hear that there was a loop. And what it was, what it is because they still make them and use them all over the place. You can hear one down by the World Trade Center. I heard the exact same one. It's a sequence of recordings of birds in distress oh my god so they're being attacked they're (laughs) hurt they're drowning whatever they're fighting and it was like and
0: it was like
1: and it played 24 hours a day here and i just thought it was birds until what it because the loop wasn't like i just did it but yeah you know it sounded like fighting seagulls or something. There's birds around here. There are. So until somebody said to me, like they pointed it out, they're like, that bird over there is having the time of its life. That sounds like it. And I was like, I think it sounds like it's dying. And so we really started to listen to it. And we were like, wait a minute, it's making the same sound. Yeah. And we just realized that it never stopped. And the neighborhood would grow loud. Sounds would kind of mask it and you'd forget about it, but it was always there until about, three years ago when I think somebody complained. I think somebody that wanted to live without screeching terrorized (laughs) birds found out where it was coming from and said, you guys got to turn off your EDB, your sonic bird deterrent because it's freaking us all out. So you might've heard the
0: EDB. Yo, that makes perfect sense. I can't believe I've lived here that long and didn't know that was a thing, but that's just, man, that's just the magic of New York city. You'll hear them now.
1: Yeah. You listen for them. And now I will, I will get, there's a link in this book. I'll, I'll send you a link to YouTube. <laughs> if you have like footnotes on your podcast yeah, or something, yeah, you yeah. can share this sound. Cool. Um, yeah. It's, it's incredible. The, Damn, le- the electric yeah. dying bird is what we called it.
0: <laughs> That's so weird. It's like a robotic uh, ghost bird. Yes. Yeah. It just, uh, haunts Well We used to before. think like
1: if it was something to keep people away, what would that sound like? You know, would you have people shrieking like
0: a person? Deter- ah, yeah. Ah, <laughs> ah, ah, get away from me. Get away from me. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Oh, uh, that would be such a good art project to just install that somewhere. A great art project that's that reminds me of some other great art
1: projects that drew the attention of the police and the <laughs> homeland security. Now, you're you didn't have an art project, but uh, comedy is comedy is art, arguably, an yeah, comedy. Yeah,
0: but less project. artistic. Yeah, but yes, if, if it's any good, you get the attention of the authorities. <laughs> I, I agree, I suppose so. Well, if anyone hears that, uh, it was Banksy, it wasn't us, Brian. <laughs> thank you so much for uh, illuminating us about the history of the building. It's... Very fascinating. I'll, uh, I'll take pictures of all this stuff, and I'll put Great. it all up and shit so people can check it out. Um, is there anything else we should get to? Do you I, have anything I, you want to promote?
1: No, you know, I wish I could... I know you've got guests further on that are going to talk about the soul and what happened when people started moving, moving into the building, because that that's way more recent, and it's our life here now. And what we talked about was trying to put together fragments of the past and trying to... I mean, I'm sure an architect or somebody could look at the things that I had to discover for myself and, and they'd be like, that's obvious what that is. But, you know, in old photographs and things, we saw vacuum machinery on the roof and, and there's places where elevators used to be that aren't there anymore and conveyor belts inside of the building. I mean, there there's way more than I'm able to express right now. Um, I, I One of my favorite things, uh, this is the last thing, um, the employees... Not only did they have dances, but they did, in fact, have uh, teams. Uh, they played baseball. And there used to be cool. a base, two baseball fields that were uh, about a block from here, actually, where that uh, M. Freed Fixtures building, uh-huh. I don't know what they're doing there now, but it's on the corner there. That used to be a sand lot where they played baseball. And then over um, where Bunker used to be, the Vietnamese place. There used to be a a baseball field over there, too. So the workers would take breaks, whatever. And they were company-sponsored teams. So High Low was a varnish company that was in the yellow building that's over on Stewart across from us, also painted gray and black now. Uh, I wonder if they'll paint this building gray and black. Uh, But they had um, teams, and they would compete. And one of the stories that I uncovered was this story about a team that uh, was an all-white team, and they were going to play an all-black team. And they knew that the, all, the all-black team was going to be better than them. They, they just <laughs> knew it for whatever reason. And so they decided to invite this team out. This is in the paper. I did not make this up. No, shit. They, it, the Brooklyn Daily Eagle was the paper, now that I'm thinking of it. A lot of these are sourced from the Brooklyn da- Daily. So they invited them out to lunch so that they could get them drunk and get them full of food <laughs> so that they played badly. And they did not work. They still, they still lost. Oh, that's so, so cool. So I don't know if it was the, the, the team was going to beat them anyway, but they still beat them, or whether it helped them by being drunk and full of food. But anyway, they, they did lose the game, and that's, that's, in, that's in history. That's so good. So you know, these stories are in here, and I wish there, would, there was an interesting way, other than this book, to convey those things. If I could say, this book is available on whatever I would promote that, but we handmade these things and a lot of it is sourced from other people. So if we started to mass produce them and sell them, we'd get into copyright issues. I gotcha. So, um, it's, you've got to come to the, you, if you can get into the building, (laughs) if you can get into 538 Johnson, there's an exhibit on the fourth floor in the hallways that has all these fascinating stories. A guy got shot, because he made somebody fun of somebody's pants. They were too short. Um, and he was getting into the argument, and then like they started de- defending. It was just this horrible quarrel. Some, some people working in the doll factory were having lunch. Somebody's pants were too short. Somebody else overheard him. Apparently, he was a bag man. He would walk around collecting money from businesses. So he, he had a gun, so he thought he had something to say. And, uh, and these guys had a gun, too. So there was a gunfight. And if you know who Ouija was, I think that was his name. It was a photographer, like a salacious photographer. Um, so lots of bodies used to be in the newspaper and stuff. And so we found an article uh, with not a Ouija photograph, but is a dead body in the street. And uh, the 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 wow. headline was uh, "Short Pants Jibe Goes Sour." <laughs> So that's
0: so the, funny. Yeah. The stories
1: were amazing and I wish I could tell them all, but, um
0: I, mean, it, I didn't mean to wrap yeah. up early. If you have more, feel free to rattle them off. Um,
1: right. there. Okay. All right. Thank you. I will. <laughs> Let's see how many I can remember offhand. <laughs> uh, dead man's friend sees ghost. Uh, the rail, when the train used to come through here, it's so funny. I just think people are getting murdered all the time. Sure. On the on the trains and stuff. It's they funny were dangerous.
0: You, when you think about these, the stories are all in sepia and black and white. And yeah. Look, yeah. Well, like an old cartoon, you know. But there's just a vibe back then. I'm sure people were getting murdered.
1: And uh so the story it and also the fact that this was in a newspaper. Yeah. And not the Inquirer. So it's interesting that uh there, they, they were writing columns about this. Like, there, it's content. They right. were, they. This was the, this was the social media of the day. This is the content. So, a great story, and it's not a short story. I can't remember any of it, um, except for the fact that this brake man was found shot uh, in Newton Creek, and then they, you know, the there was a big mystery about it, and so they were interviewing everybody, and one of his friends is like. Yeah, you know, it was really crazy. I saw a ghost here a couple of days ago, too. And so there's nothing about that in this story except, like, that's the headline. Dead man's <laughs> friend saw a ghost. As if they were like, did the, did the ghost have something to do with it? But they don't get into that in the, in, the sto- in the article. They don't go. They don't start to explore. Maybe the was it an apparition of warning? No. <laughs> Um, Another one was about um, a sting operation where an ex-Marine, and by the way, all of these stories name the streets. That was one of our criteria. The street name or address had to be an intersection, Varick, Stewart, Johnson. Uh It had to be like this block. So all of these stories came from this block. So there's an ex-Marine police officer who was dressed up like a lady to um, troll for muggers because there was a a problem people Uh were mugging old ladies and so um the headline of this article was no way to treat a lady and a lady was in quotes and it was just about this uh, (laughs) marine sergeant turned police officer who dressed up in women's clothing and did everything that i just said and he got somebody he got people it worked (laughs) um 99 scott okay so this is a block away 99 scott maybe two blocks away uh, a body was discovered in the basement um, some some mafia hit gunshot in the back of the head um Wow yeah what I you know none of them are really that long all right so we got the
0: wait oh, I know that place that place has fucking like raves and shit yeah now. they yeah. are <laughs> refit
1: like they're done now it's totally remodeled they have a nice grass concrete courtyard and it's all. Built out on the inside yeah. with the raw brick and the big windows that had redone, yes, bodies in the basement, wow, um, yeah and I actually so newspaper.com dot com also has great photographs, oh no, this the photographs I found in the New York public library ar- archives there's a lot of dead bodies from around the time period too, because apparently, if you were on a, um, a barge or something, you there were mutinies going on, and they would they didn 't like you. They would wrap you up and dunk you in the water, and then your body would eventually come up. So there's lots of pictures of bloated bodies that I, you know, I, I just I can't look away. They're wonderful. I keep them. Yeah. Um. One. Okay. Oh, the well, I gotta find this one because this is the shortest one, and I can read. I will read this because okay, I'll wrap it up with this one. No, there's, this is all good content. We can go the, for an hour. Okay. And... okay. Breakman killed. Um, this says. This is it. It's just a blurb. John Brady, aged 35 years of 79 Grand Avenue, Richmond Hill, was taken with epileptic fits at the corner of Johnson and Stewart Avenues, that place, late yesterday afternoon. He was taken to his home and attended by the family physician. That's it. (laughs) <laughs> That's all they wrote about this. And what or our favorite thing we were talking about, the way they used to write articles. I don't know why they say that
0: place. Oh, uh, it's so weird.
1: They say the corner of Stewart Johnson and Stewart Avenue's comma that place, comma late yeah. like to emphasis, <laughs> or were they saying like that
0: place? Maybe you know. uh he was doing the era equivalent of ketamine and it was literally the five thirty eight Johnson of the day. It Nothing changes, you know. Could have been could have been they're doing East. laudanum in there or something
1: uh okay all right so bed fire, yeah I, is there is there one more <laughs> uh actually so this is this is a modern story so yeah you'll you'll talk to oh i don't know enough about that story but uh but i'll just mention this uh there was a commie hunter this guy oh yeah because this is socialist uh themed power Absolutely. concerned podcast So there was a guy... tell me that story. Holy shit. Okay, you don't know about this one? This one is great. Um, Because it kind of kicks off the 50s. This guy named Mike Katz. And the headline was, Mike didn't need a gun. Apparently, he got $933 an hour to spot reds under bed for mattress outfit. (laughs) So somebody was concerned that the workers here were unionizing... So they hired this guy who claimed to be a union buster. No shit. And he and so he was deposed. There's a big uh Robert Kennedy was involved uh in the presidential committee Um, he fell asleep during the hearing a pudgy here we go Katz, a pudgy witness who boasted of goon like tactics in union activities on the west coast noisily took the stand after he had fallen asleep in the audience and had to be awakened personally by committee counsel robert kennedy this is in 1953 and he was a self-styled communist exterminator
0: yeah. Holy shit. So no, yeah. that's a perfect story to end on. I was, when you were talking about like the workers in this factory, having like parties and stuff and having a baseball team, I occurred to me like, Oh, I wonder if they were unionized or I mean, apparently not. <laughs> yeah. Right. I guess they weren't, but maybe they eventually came to be, you know what? That's um, something I'm going to look into because that's really interesting. And it might be uh given the time, the, the timeline of all this, you know, unions got busted back in the day. Yeah. And then this during was the fifties, the there this was a the fucking 50s, red scare. Red scare. Exactly. So it could have been yes and no, it could have been yes. And then yeah. they got busted. And, uh, you know, who knows, depending on the, the history and the type of work.
1: There's a it. wealth of this. And I will share this with you because this story was actually pretty well documented. So there's several articles about it that just go on and on. And, um, I, I won't end with that one. I will end with a story, a contemporary story, because the doors of a lot of these units did not lock, and there was a very community-themed, community-oriented, not themed atmosphere. Uh-huh. People would come and go, and even the doors to the building, as soon as the lock was fixed, somebody would fucking break it. Yeah. Somebody would just FBI kick the door in, and then the, they would get to the punk show and get onto the roof, and you could not contain people. This is before all the security. So, um, people used to have barbecues on your roof up here all the time. And, mm. and, the, and the people who lived here did it and invited other people and it was great. But there were also people from who, who we didn't know who would come and do it.
0: Yeah. Like a, a permanent feature of five three eight is just some random person. and you're, you're like, did you invite them? And then your friends like, wait, I thought you invited them. And it's just, there's just people.
1: I saw a naked man who I called the Gary Coleman chupacabra. <laughs> <laughs> Once on the roof. He was he was kind of did that Bigfoot pose when I saw him. He was all naked. He was about four feet tall. He turned and looked at me, and then I closed the door and went back downstairs. But this story uh happened upstairs. This story. What happened was it was upstairs. Some people were having a barbecue. Uh do you know Richard uh Vivienzo? Oh, Artist? Maybe. I
0: don't he, know. That he, sounds familiar. He,
1: he, yeah, he he is definitely. I think he was here before I was and he was very big on the second floor involved in the skater art punk scene down here um, and also apparently kind of a badass uh, some people were barbecuing up there and he, nobody knew any of them and there was a lot of noise and maybe this is during a time when we weren't supposed to be doing it anymore so he walked up there probably without a shirt on and all of his tattoos uh, in full display intimidating and uh, proudly, cheerfully walked up to them and said, hey, does anybody have a beer? And as they were deciding what to say or, or to answer him, he kicked over their grill. <laughs> he kicked their lit grill and all the charcoal and all, everything that was on it just went flying. And that, that scattered them. They did not fuck with this guy who came out <laughs> and shattered their barbecue. They split. Uh, if anybody knows the rest of that story, let me know, because I heard it from Brian Gibson, and I, I believe it to be true.
0: Damn. Uh, well, those coals could have been valuable, didn't they? You know? <laughs> they, they could you have You take been, them home and warm and wrap yourself Wrap it on up them. with the coals. <laughs> Back to the coals. Ah <laughs> oh, man. Uh, thank you so much for sharing all these stories. I feel like there's shit. Like we, I fucking keep going. I'm probably going to extend this a little bit, because... Even the stuff we were talking about before we turn on these mics, like the the, the pipes busting and there being a waterfall in the hallway and shit. There's yeah, it so got much.
1: it got so cold in the building. Uh, people who don't know the building who haven't been here, there there isn't any internal heating. Although there's radiators all over the place, but they're defunct. The boiler is dead. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there's no heat. There's no. Well, there is electricity, but you know you have an air conditioning unit. You could plug it in, but it's in no way like a condo or a civilized place. But it got so cold one winter that all of the sprinkler pipes froze over, and there's a big fire department plug uh, at the top of the fourth floor stairs. And when the water froze, it burst the cap of the plug off, and when it thawed, it became a geyser on the top of the fourth floor, and all of the water came all the way down the industrial stairwell and there's some video of this it was what what did you say with the it looked like a fucking waterfall like it looked, it looked something out of like narnia or some yes, shit yes right that was, a fantasy novel that's right it was it was like a portal like upstairs is the portal to the magic place i think i might it have it was a waterfall in the building
0: i might have a video of it cuz i took a video on my phone and it was you like should have. it was in my icloud for a long fucking time it was the weirdest thing i've ever yes. seen i came home from work that night and the lights were all out because the like, <laughs> water lights. ruined everything. So I walked into the hallway and I like used my phone as a flashlight. But every- like, everyone was in the hallway just partying because yeah. we used to all smoke in the hallway and shit, too. Yes. And everyone was just drinking and shit. And I was like, "What's going on? Like, why is there a party in this? Like, why, why is there a blackout party? It's in the blackout
1: hall? party! Look at this!"
0: <laughs> and uh, somebody took me over and was like, "Dude, check it out! Look at that!" You just opened the door and there's yep. this Jumanji shit happening. Yes, you <laughs> don't <laughs> see that. It Anywhere was else? so funny. That mm. also happened one time. That I just walked into that stairwell and the stairs were just missing. Like it was like Hogwarts yes. or some shit. Right uh, B-
1: before they before they felt like uh, before we drew drew the watchful eye of the dob and and uh engineering and architect firms yes the building would repair things ad hoc at at their you know with their own security measures and they probably put a piece of tape at the top of the stairs because yeah there was one stair that was coming loose and so their solution was well they were concrete and iron stairs and the iron had rusted through and the concrete had fallen through because all that happens is is punk people walk up and down these stairs. We're walking up and down these stairs constantly after a hundred years of workers walking up and down the steps outside. Do you remember how worn they were before they replaced them? Yeah. The stone on the stairs was worn in. There was this massive divot where people were walking up over a hundred years. So anyway, that stair fell through and their solution was to rip out the entire uh, flight of stairs and it took them a couple of days to get in a full iron replacement. And during this time, there were no stairs, and there was no barricade. Yeah. So you, by the time you came to it, the piece of tape or whatever was gone. So, yeah, you almost fell off. I did the Mr.
0: Magoo thing where one leg goes out, and you're like, whoa. Whoa.
1: (sighs) Whoa.
0: Man. Sick. All right. Sick. 538. Five thirty-eight. There's a million, million more of these. Yeah, a million could more forever. stories. We can go forever. We can do a whole yeah. whole podcast itself. I about you know,
1: that we should be taking calls.
0: <laughs> That's the thing. If this were live, yeah, we could be taking calls. Maybe I'll take some emails or there's something. So
1: many free. Yeah, the the life and the history and everybody who fucked everybody else in a good way or a bad way or met people or got married here. There's people who met here, and got married. Now there's babies up on the fourth floor. I mean, it's, it's kind of incredible. Yeah. Um, although the one thing that did come to fruition, not manufacturing coming back, um, but the, the community was very... Uh, they didn't like the fact that these people, us, who were fighting to stay in our places, they said they don't really want to stay here. They want to get the right to stay here and then take their buyouts. So they thought a lot of us were in for this cash grab. Who thought that? Uh, was it? Ah, goddamn. Okay, so there were a couple of community groups that we went to talk to. Oh, I got you. And it wasn't Sal. It could have been the people in Salazar's office because I wasn't here for this. There's a lot I wasn't here for. Um, But there was a big showdown one time uh, when there was supposed to be a meeting over there. But her deputy or something went kind of crazy and said that we were... Or, or the, the representatives of the Loft organization went kind of crazy. They started calling each other names and you're part of the machine. No, you're part of the machine. You want buyouts. No, you're trying... You're, you're against people. You're, yeah. Um, but I, I don't want to drop the name of any organization, number one, because I really can't remember any of them. But they were community groups and I, I remember going and talking to some of them uh, some people from this floor, maybe the guy you're going to be talking to next. We went to Albany, we went to community offices around right. we here, talked to some of these groups, and they saw the people that lived in the building, and I and I think that they 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 kind of had to admit that. They genuinely wanted to live here. Yeah, no, we all wanted and to they, stay here. Yeah, you, you did want to stay. No, I got wasn't a buyout, but I like, would rather had like he, the building. Yeah, right. They've made it a miserable... They Actually, they killed the community that was here. That was their silver bullet. That's their tactic. Yeah, They took away the roof. They put in the security measures. Uh, they just made it. An un, they killed the social life here so it's no longer it's no longer a big party anymore it's no the, the party isn't in the building anymore you almost used to have to not go anywhere because the, there was always something going on like 4th of July was what we called building christmas yeah cuz everybody would come up to the roof it's huge parties everybody shooting fire you you might have been working
0: no, you, I would. I hung out a, here on Fourth of did, July okay, sure. okay, you were, I worked a lot. Um, I mean, I would get home from work yeah. sometimes, and shit like that would be but happening.
1: still, right, it would go on all night sometimes. And so. I would,
0: but I would be like, great, because like you, now I'm at the fucking party. Well, you know? That's right. So you had to. I always used to quote uh, the Joker
1: from the 1989 Batman. This isn't uh, decent. People shouldn't live here. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that, um, but uh, yeah, like you're, if you if you want if you don't want noise and you want a quiet existence. And you want to complain about smoking in the halls, thumping, and what, and night drumming? Uh, you, you don't live here, yeah. because that, but some people wanted that. We really wanted it. We really like it. Um, and it just doesn't happen anymore. There's no jam, no random jamming. There's no hallway party. Yeah. Um, no neighborhood cook-off, whatever. I mean, it's just it's fucking dead. I think the last thing we did was some uh, brunch crawl that some people tried to organize on the fourth floor. And it wasn't totally pathetic, but it was a little maudlin. I mean, because it was, you know, we couldn't go to the roof. Yeah. <laughs> was, so the, the, big, you know, the big payoff at the, you know, it's like, well, and you end up telling these stupid stories. So that's, that's I mean, so, you know, you know, don't you remember? Gosh, I wish we could get onto the roof, you know, that kind of bullshit. Where I, I fucking hate that. Um, actually, there's a construction site down the street. And it's still not finished. And I recently was, I got a summons. I was put in handcuffs. They caught me uh, because I couldn't go to the roof of this building. So I was required to find high ground elsewhere. So I decided to put on uh, a plague doctor mask that I had. (laughs) Uh, And I was dressed in all black. And I thought somehow this was going to help me. But I'm sure it just drew the attention of all the cameras (laughs) that I, you know, they say like those cameras aren't on. They're on, yeah, everybody. Yeah. The cameras are on. So I climbed up into the construction shed, and I'm actually wondering. The construction shed is bridging the sidewalk, and I'm at the threshold of jumping into the construction yard to climb up the wooden ladder to get up there. The fireworks are going off all around me. It's like 930. I probably should have waited later, um, but I just couldn't wait. And I'm at the threshold, and I think, dude, you are did you just turn fifty? <laughs> and um, I mean, like, I know it's like, God, it's such a killer scene to see the fireworks from the roof in this area because they're going off all around you. But this is a bad idea. Like, let's just let's just get out of here. This is a bad idea, Brian. Let's just go home. And so I, I, I'm, There's this hole in the net that I, I didn't make the hole. The hole was there. I searched for it. I found it. And I didn't even have anything with me. I had no knife, I had no flashlight, I had no spray paint, I had nothing. I was unarmed, I didn't, I had my phone. Thank goodness, because I had no wallet, no identification. So I looked down through the hole to, to make my exit and I saw the uh, trademark black boots, cargo tactical pants yeah. of the NYPD. And, and I said down in a calm voice, I'm coming down, I've made a bad, I've, I've made a bad decision. <laughs> I'm coming down. And they, they were like, stay up there, stay up there. And I was already on my way down, so I wasn't going to climb back up. I just, I was moving very slowly. And, uh, and they were like, all right, all right, come on down. What, what are you doing up there? What are you doing up there, man? And I said, uh, I, I went up there to look at the fireworks. And one of them said, why didn't you go to Macy's to watch the fireworks if you wanted to see the fireworks? And I said, have you ever? seen the fireworks from on top of a building in this neighborhood. <laughs> and he said, no. And his, well, I don't know what the rank was, but this other guy with him, like nodded his head. He had the look of like, Oh yeah. Like I understand. Yeah. It's, it is, it is maybe a thing to trespass for. Um, and then they said, you ever been arrested before? And I was like, you know, I don't know really. There's so many technical terms. Was I detained? Well, they took me to the 90th precinct, in handcuffs in the back of a van and held me for a couple of hours because I was trying to buy weed on that corner about 10 years ago. Um, weed being legal now. That's, that's hilarious. Yeah. Um,
0: did you bring the cops up onto the roof to watch the fireworks?
1: No, but the guy lied, actually. He said, you know, oh, yeah, because where do you live? I went over in that building, and he goes, oh, yeah, we got complaints from that building all the time. And I, I, I have been taught not to argue with the police yeah, dude. when you're in handcuffs. <laughs> Don't get sassy. Like I, The fact that I was kind of ad-libbing these little friendly asides to them was just I was trying to de-escalate a little bit, and they were asking questions, and I wasn't being sassy. Yeah. I really was like, this is why I went up there. But this guy said, uh, "Yeah, we get noise complaints all the time. Your fireworks and your your alarms are always going off, and that is not true. We don't have neighbors. Five years ago, it was true, but it is not true anymore at all. So, you know, the fire department used to be out here every weekend. Um, That's not the case anymore. We're on lockdown. The lockdown never stopped at five thirty eight. Yeah, that's really what ended it." It was. Yeah, the pandemic killed
0: it. Yeah. Well, we'll get to that in the next part as we move into the uh 21st century here. All right. All right, Brian, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Jake.
1: This was awesome. I'm glad to share.
0: Okay, that was part 1 of question mark of we are 538 a possible series about 538 Johnson and punk houses and shit like that. In general, um, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for sticking around if you're a, a longtime listener and our listener of ours through this transitionary period where I moved to a new place and Alex has left the show and who knows what the hell's gonna happen. We're gonna you know f- keep evolving is what's gonna happen. I really appreciate you guys hanging with us while we figure that out. but uh you know we're we we're good at this at this point. we're we're gonna make things uh funny and informative and good and shit as best we can. I think I think things are going to be good. Um, but it's a little scary, you know, things are getting shaken up. So I really appreciate that. I appreciate people sticking around on our Patreon, uh, supporting us if you're someone who listens to the show and you don't know what a patreon is I feel like I should I, I, it occurred to me a while back I should I should advertise it from time to time half of our episodes are on the patreon You give us five bucks you get access to our discord and our bonus episodes and stuff that helps us stay afloat we don't do ads uh, the the, the Turn-of-the-century mattress ad is not real. Uh, we don't have, have advertisers um, We're not sponsored by Bozo the clown puppets because we want to destroy capitalism and advertising is evil and bill hicks and yada 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 so uh so it's it's important that i push that i guess what i'm saying all right thank you we'll see you next week we'll have the hot spicy takes about palestine and stuff i I assure you you can get real mad with us about what's going on in the world next time all right thank you it's finished.